Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? Eric, I'm joined today by Michael, here to do crunches on the show. It's Michael. <laughs> I'm joined today by Michael Kester. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be here today. We, so this is, um, you know, welcome to Double Feature. We're doing Would You Rather and uh, Ready or Not. These are titles that are difficult for me to remember because of this slew of <laughs> fucking sure. movies sure. where it's, you know, there's fucking... Finders keepers, ready or not, look out, here I come. Uh, truth or dare, come on. Truth or dare, like Ollie, Ollie, oxen free. To, to pick yeah, from. I mean, yeah. it's all these these like kids. There's this rash of movies. We're not going to talk about this much today because I don't think it has anything to do with this outside of the nomenclature theme. But there's this rash of movie, these like horror thriller movies where they take kids' games and then give a horror movie a kids' game title. I present to you today's Escape Room 2 release celebratory show. <laughs> Would you rather and ready or not? Do you prefer that order, by the way? I think, yeah, I think I do. I In, in a scenario like this... Um, you know I always feel like Midnight Movie goes second, and there's something about how Would You Rather is aged. Yeah. Like, anytime I watch a movie and I'm like, I'm the only fucking person who wants to see this right now, I'm like, oh, it must be a Midnight Movie. Fuck okay, it, let's do it live. Let's flip it. I don't care. All right, ready or not first. All right. And then ready would you rather. Not. Wow. And then here here comes would you rather. The uh, <laughs> Yeah, so this is, you know, we've we've tapped into this a little bit before. We'll talk about the bottle stuff maybe uh some of those films come to mind. But I think the theme is really around you know, it's like such a a niche of a subgenre. It is literally the psychopath wants to play a murder game. Yeah. That's like the whole thing. Yeah. And there are um, very different reasons, but ready or not is such a, such a like kind of subversion on this mm-hmm. that I feel like you almost have to treat ready or not like it's a little more in the pocket of, of this theme than it is. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is, and this is why I actually wanted to do the inverted order. Um, it's not too late. I haven't even hit this uh, chapter button. <laughs> I haven't even That's hit record not, yet. Not connected <laughs> to anything anymore, but I still hit it every time. But I feel like I feel like Ready or Not has seen Would You Rather. That you know what I mean? Does that make sense? <laughs> that's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. That's that's why um, well, you definitely that, feel that it's got some years progress. But yeah. we're gonna we're gonna allow we're gonna give Would You Rather the undue Absolutely honor of being the midnight film. For I sure. That'll be it. Because these are like it's kinda like a pulpier I don't want to just say it. Just say it. Grab clue right away. I was going to oh, say okay, like, okay, good. I thought you were going to say knives out. So thanks for reaching all the way back to clue. Oh, sure. Well, <laughs> ready or not kind of does that. But I mean, both of the movies today felt yeah. like you remember. Okay. Here's one. You remember when we talked about, there's a movie, I think it's called murder by death. That yes. we did on the show. Yes. And it mm-hmm. was sort of like clue, but a little pulpier. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's kind of like this genre is sort of the pulpier version of that. Yeah. So it says, you know, right on the top, it's like, oh, board games, kid games, whatever. Like that's kind of the hook. Yeah. But I feel like we're very much in a genre of people forced to do, to go through things they don't want. This is House on Haunted Hill, 2010's edition. 
That's what we're watching. And as a bonus today, aesthetically, extremely of their time. Absolutely. Which is also... Also casting-wise, extremely of their time. Okay, so there's uh, uh, spoilers in here. We should say that. There's a Patreon. There's also a Patreon. Can I hit that spoiler thing extra hard today? Yeah, I hit feel it. Because like once are, you know like, the end of these movies, it's hard to want to see them again. That's not true, but... You know, that's a big part of watching them. No, no, you signed right the fuck up. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, then you're just, uh, then you're just excited about each of the things that, f- yeah. but it's very much like tableaus falling at an interval mm-hmm. and we're going to spoil all of those. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Patreon is where you could find that Murder by Death show. You can find a Clue show. You can find a Knives Out show. You can also find a series of people slowly diminishing one at a time over the course of a month. Are you? <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you talking about the two hosts, or what is this an end game? No, I'm talking about the uh, list of patrons. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. There's a very would you rather uh, element to keeping the show funded. But yeah, I, I suppose maybe only tangentially related. You could find. Would you the, rather stab your wallet with this pick, or whip Michael and Eric across the back three times again this month? Would you rather save yourself the $3 a month you might put in or hear a show that isn't composed of 40 minutes of ads for the Patreon? Those (laughs) are kind of the two. Would you like to drown yourself for two minutes uh, or up to four minutes in a barrel of ads? Anyways, (laughs) about our new sponsor, Barrel of Ads. (laughs) Just can't really. I don't even have the energy to write fake sponsors to make jokes about in the Patreon ad in the Patreon ad. I would accept putting ads on our show if we let everybody know that there is only a two-minute window, sign on as many people as possible, and then play all those ads simultaneously <laughs> as a barrel of ads for two minutes. Right, it's like a, it's like a martyr thing. We just yeah. throw, all the, uh, <laughs> throw all the ads on a... Like one single person has to listen to yeah. 200,000 ads, and that's how <laughs> we fund the show. Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't even want to have to hunt down sponsors. That's a job in and of itself. How would we? We'd have to do a whole separate podcast about how to find sponsors. All right, we've been in this Patreon chunk too much. There's too much joy in this whole Patreon portion of the yeah. the show. Come on, Patreon.com forward slash double feature. Keep the show going. Listen to the bottle episode. That's the one you want. Yeah. So moving into the actual films, we 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 are aware here at Double Feature that we've been putting you guys through a lot of work this year so far, and uh, in the interest of giving ourselves a break, you guys are coming along regardless. But in the interest of what we thought would be giving ourselves a break, well, you know, actually, I say that in hindsight, I think we thought we were doing this sort of as like. A little bit fun, a little bit accessible, but you know, in true double feature fashion, I have managed to turn it into a painstaking uh, self-examination. That's yeah. Uh, yeah I was going to really, say there's no break here for us. Yeah, it's no fun at all. Um, the break is for people who got to watch Would You Rather and Ready or Not, not people who are like, I'm going to do a show about this. Yeah. All right. Where's your self-examination before we logline here? Well, I mean, so I, I before we logline, I guess I'll just I'll I'm gonna just. I'll stick to the wall the thing I texted you halfway through the second movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I'm just going to read it off of our text chat just so you guys can can feel uh, really included. <clears throat> I texted uh, I texted Eric 13 and it says, God, I spend all this time searching for high value cinema 
art that makes me feel something, movies that transcend just being a movie. But you put one of these fucking dumb bottle murder <laughs> movies in front of me, and I am the happiest I ever get. Look, I, I don't know that anything more needs to be said about that. I think maybe we just logline, right? Yeah, so the logline <laughs> log of, uh, of Ready or Not is a girl is marrying into a very traditional and affluent family. And prior to her wedding, she finds that there is a traditional game that must be played for blood. Okay, yeah. It's a, a little bit of a survive the night is kind of the log line. Mm-hmm. But there's a probably a couple of ways to spin it. There's a lot of interesting writing in this for a genre that typically isn't really about the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have your high concept piece, right? Mm-hmm. But there's also the scene in the movie that sort of defies the trailer. And maybe this is an expectation games kind of thing, but... You have the scene where basically they're giving her the rules and she goes, okay, but like I can't win this, right? This is obviously just a game where I give up. And the conclusion that's that's kind of reached in that scene is basically like, well, yeah, you're not even going to try to win this. It's, you know, we're just going to uh, go through this whole ritual and then you're going to die and this will be a very short film. And it kind of dispels the into any setup you have for this movie, I feel like any any... What is the trailer? Any, hey, what's this movie you just watched? It kind of has to go, people are hunting this woman and she has to survive the night. And that's, you know, even to the the extent that it's about when the sun comes up. You know, there's a fucking moment in the movie that's literally tear back the curtain for dramatic effect. Mm-hmm. Also beautifully, you know, self-aware and beautifully. Yeah. There's just like a level of camp this plays at where... Like, it's almost hard to say if it's self-aware because it's also done with such earnestness. Right. There's this, the the way that this entire sort of story unravels, unlike the other movie we're going to cover, is it's it's not, um, because like, like we've said before, this sort of comes out later in the pantheon of bottle murder movies. It doesn't have as much of the burden to justify every bottle murder mm-hmm. it's it, it and, and i'm not or saying even that stay that's as much in a bottle right like it almost feels weird to call it a bottle especially when you're watching it next to a movie set in the same house but just one room of it right exactly but i, I feel like the main difference and and really the major contrast between both of these this this film and the rest of the genre is that every other predecessor, but just for the sake of today's uh, episode, uh, exclusively Would You Rather, it's the exact inverse plot. Mm. In Ready or Not, it is one survivor and multiple murderers. Yeah, And so the body count stacks on the other side of the scale. Because as far as, as, far as the watcher is concerned, only Samara Weaving's character needs to die for this to be a loss. Whereas in a different movie, you have your, your, the protagonist the film gives you and you need to hope that person survives and everybody else dies, which is actually the same as this. However, the other people in this, in Ready or Not, are actively hunting our protagonist. Well, it's like a, a reverse. We were talking about um, Agatha Christie stuff earlier, I feel like, when you when you talk about Knives Out, you talk about Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the the uh, and then there were none, 
is really what created the slasher pickoff one at a time. I mean, that's well, it was actually ten little Indians that created and then were not. Well, sir, <laughs> the original Chinese play was called something I dare not repeat as a white person. But do your own Agatha Christie. Well, actually, Kurosawa's story. <laughs> yeah, do your do your own uh, cringy Agatha Christie homework. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's uh, all of this, all of this pick off the victims one by one is, and then there were none. Yeah, and this is kind of interesting because while it does completely reverse that, it also in effect can take advantage of all the same things because you're still you still have a group of people, mm-hmm. and you still basically need to kill them all. Mm-hmm. It's just that once you get to the end, you. It's sort of like uh, like we're not playing for keeps. You just kill as many as you can before the timer runs out, and then mm-hmm. they'll all blow up. So, right. So you don't actually have to take every single one out. Well, and that's the thing that I think is is really fun about the movie is there's so much. Um, I feel like the the antithesis of the audience for a film like this, right? Like the the fucking heckler in the theater is sitting there probably not shouting because people don't really shout at the screen anymore, but they're definitely like saying under their breath, probably, probably loud enough for you sitting next to them to hear them and roll your eyes. They're just listing the things that don't need to happen or that a character could have done in order to avoid this certain situation or what they could do to get out of this particular scene, et cetera, et cetera. And that person has to sit the fuck down when everybody explodes at the end. And that's, the best part because there's sort of the, the movie having seen a hundred, a hundred Agatha Crispies before it knows that it's, it's all that these stories are generally based on the idea that somebody in power has decided Mm -hmm. murder needs to happen for a reason that the viewer would probably view as largely unnecessary. Yeah. Um, in a lot of cases, it's for fun. Well, and I think these movies also make you, like they're sort of their own worst enemy in that regard. Yeah. Because yeah. the movie setup is always, this guy has this set of rules that he can't break. Sure. But really, the reality of every one of these movies is a psychopath is holding you at gunpoint. Exactly. That's the actual movie you're watching, but the trailer's like, no, 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 right. not fun yeah. enough. This yeah. guy has a rigid set of rules that yeah. no one in the movie follows. He doesn't really care about. They're ill-defined. So, you know, it's, it's like one of the... Um, it's one of the hardest parts I would imagine about writing something like this is you're almost fighting with the audience the whole time over like what are they going to believe right and to what extent and that sort of like high concept low bar juxtaposition the tension between those two things mm-hmm. is what makes me ashamed of what I had texted you what I mentioned before the log line yeah it's like I mean one listen if you're if you're a long time or newcomer fan of double feature. Can we just like, I just want to like, can we stop using the term guilty pleasure, at least about movies like watch them or don't who fucking cares? Like people like magic Mike for different reasons and people watch step up for some reason. It's all things people like for some fucking reason. It doesn't matter. Can everyone stop making fun of Michael for liking Channing Tatum a suspicious amount? (laughs) Can we all please just stop emailing? I don't think guilty pleasures in movies make sense. Um, Because the reality is you're wasting two hours of your life watching it all together. You should feel guilty just for sitting down. Be productive. You fucking capitalist cog. 
So, so I do want to eliminate the idea of guilty pleasures, but there is just something internally, you know, you and I just had an off-air conversation talking about can right yeah, before yeah. we hit record, like a fucking couple of <laughs> pompous white fucks, and then immediately jump into ready or not, and would you rather yeah, are the yeah. films, to, and, and the reality is, like, I, I kind of think they're like, for me, it's like the Palm d'Or at Cannes or a new murder bottle movie, <laughs> kind of like really at the same spot. Like, right, right. You and I, we have this ongoing joke, and I suspect we'll, we will 100% get Circle because I feel like it is sort of the ultimate version of this because it strips away everything. Circle's a get. I don't know if yeah. we can have Circle on the show. Yeah. We really got to. <laughs> um, but you and I often, we, you know, we we text all the time, mostly about movies, not exclusively, but very, very heavily. And, you know, half the time it's like, oh, did you see this new, you know, this new trailer? Oh, my God. St. Maud is finally getting a U.S. Re- you know, we have these I'm sort sorry, of... I'm sorry, what? What? Is St. Maud coming to the theaters in the U.S.? What happened? Oh. <laughs> um, but... The other thing that we'll text is just like randomly one of us will be like, yo, I got one. It's called Would You Rather. <laughs> yeah. Right. And the other person knows exactly yeah. what that means. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need. You know, the other thing I think this does with the writing that that actually does relate directly to that audience expectation bit is like it, it sort of walks this line the entire time where we think it might come up short. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. imagine, imagine like um, the husband, the character mm-hmm. of the husband. So this film makes it look like they think they've convinced us in the writing that he's an okay guy, it's not his fault. Just uh, talking about the, the beginning of the film and when he kind of explains what's going on. You know, she has this reaction that says, oh my God, how could you not tell me about this? This is a, a relationship ending this is a right. mortal this is a wound. deal breaker yeah no, it's a deal absolutely. just call it a deal breaker it's just a deal breaker well i think i actually think the the phrase mortal wound might be more applicable in this one specific scenario but fine <laughs> yes yeah so um hey guy not good how could you have fucking done this my my trust is forever eradicated and also like his judgment there's a lot of reasons that he's a he's now a fuck Mm-hmm. But the movie does that little scene where it's sort of like, oh, but you don't understand. You see, if you would have done this, I would have done this, and then this would have happened. You wouldn't have believed me. Maybe you, oh, would you have even have, you know, would you even have wanted to get married? Oh, if we didn't get married, then, you know, the relationship would be over. Like, he throws down all these fucking cards to make it look like, wow, the film really think it has convinced us that this guy is all right. And we still secretly think, fuck this guy. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a trick by the movie mm-hmm. because the movie walks out of that scene and we know because of what happens later that it does not expect that they have alleviated our hatred of this guy because mm-hmm. it fucking blows him up as the ultimate kill in the movie. Told you there were spoilers in this show. <laughs> it's funny because it, it feels like you're that's an illusion to like what actually happens, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. he literally just blows up. So what that tells me is the movie ultimately knows we want to see him die, but the movie plays it as if it has convinced us the entire time that it's like won us back over on this guy or there's some moral ambiguity. Even look at the way like characters are constantly discussing throughout the movie, like, ooh. 
hey, this whole premise, you know, is this really cool that he did that? I mean, I might be kind of upset. No, remember when this and this happened. So by having all of these conversations, it makes you think there's an ongoing dialogue over whether this was okay or not, mm-hmm. when really the movie fucking knows what it's doing. I think that sort of like overarching self-awareness that the audience, that's really what unfolds to the audience. I think more than even the plot is that the movie is as smart, is smarter than you expect a movie like this to be, right? Yeah. And one of the reasons that I really wanted to to put this on the show is that on um, a Chinese spyware social media site that you and I are both fond of, I keep seeing videos of like movies, unexpected horror movies that are actually great. And this is this ready or not is on every one of these fucking lists. And it's, and it's not, I mean, this movie it took is me great. a second because I was like, Twitter is not Chinese. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Facebook, Facebook's not Chinese. I'm like, which spy? He's obviously talking about social media, but which one of these, <laughs> these society right. destroying the one with the dancing. Gotcha. And Instagram. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it, the movie is is essentially surprising its audience by being capable, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't feel <laughs> sure. like. But the movie sure. ends. The movie ends, and you go, "Huh, that wasn't just throwaway tripe. That right. was an actual piece of." Film. Which is also funny because it's like, "Huh, I thought I signed up to see throwaway right. tripe and then get mad later." Exactly. That's the experience I signed up for, and you gave right. me a movie. How dare you? What the hell? This was actually good. This yeah. is a bait and switch. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does it again at the end, too, because when when we get to the end, there's all of these moments throughout the, the movie. When the movie turns out to get it, mm-hmm. then we're surprised and delighted to see it's on our side. Yeah. You know, that that it's kind of pulled a bit of a trick on us. And so, you know, the ending is probably the the most of that because when you're in that room, there's sort of this will it or won't it Satanism going on mm-hmm. throughout the movie. They kind of make mm-hmm. some jokes about it too. But there are all these like character motivation questions, morality questions. The film kind of asks us to buy in that the rich people just suck so much that they would just do this even though it knows like that's not a blanket. It's sort of a fun sentiment to play with, but you can't just write a script and be like, ah, they suck because rich people, and then expect that the entirety of your audience will just go, I'm on board with that and move on. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the country this came out in. Obviously, <laughs> that's not, I want to keep making jokes like, oh, yes, you can, but you can't. Yeah. And so when it gets to the end and kind of lays all its cards on the table, I hate using gaming metaphors in this fucking with this movie but you know what I mean like when they reveal all this stuff sure they kind of like they walk you into that scene being like ah here's the room you walk into once you've accepted that all belief has been suspended and you absolutely buy the motivations of all these people and situations and we all kind of go in the room and go hmm we're gonna go in this room but I'm not sure I really buy every single motivation and explanation throughout the film and so by turning the way it does at the very end, mm-hmm. it kind of just like sweeps up any sort of suspension sure. of disbelief problem that you might have had. And and that is that's sort of the other piece of the formula is that the other movie that I think specifically non-horror people have latched onto as being quote actually good is Cabin in the Woods, which does a very similar thing. Yeah. Where yeah. It, it's it's sort of it's it's meta in a clever way and not in an eye rolly way, but 
still, I mean, that one's still in an eye rolly like Joss Whedon way, but not, like the movie itself is okay. And I feel like Ready or Not like borrows a, a page from that book where it goes, listen, like the only way that the audience is really going to accept the events of a movie like Ready or Not or Would You Rather is if everybody blows up because there is, in fact, some mysterious familial curse uh, because you have to play a game on a wedding night. Otherwise, you're going to literally blow up. I feel like our show probably should have name-checked something where people had masks in the 80s. Yeah. I think that was probably <laughs> a better reverend, but whatever, I'll take the I'll take the odd cabin in the woods. Uh, <laughs> before we move on to the next movie, I also wanted to name-check Radio Silence because I don't know that we've called them out specifically on the show before, but it's this group of directors who, you know, so that's kind of odd right away. Sometimes you see a duo, you don't often see a group of directors, but uh, they did the stuff in the first VHS, that movie Devil's Do, mm-hmm. and then Southbound, which I know we're both affectionate over Southbound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think for as much as I've kind of like, I have a hard time figuring out what to attribute to the writing and what to the execution, because another great part of this movie is just like, the actors fucking nail it. The movie is smarter than it has any right to be. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's really hitting the stop. And, you know, and then the directing is also a huge part of that too. I think from the, even the, the premise of the movie would intimidate me, whether it's writing or directing. This is basically a whole movie, a cat and mouse. That's what makes it different right. than just a straight up bottle film. Mm-hmm. This is an entire movie, the title of which promises to do cat and mouse, which is, you know, I find that to be one of the hardest things to write. Mm-hmm. You get to the third act, especially about like a horror or a thriller movie, and there's like a prolonged scene where two people duke it out or one chases the other. And, you know, it's like a run and hide kind of um, build up. And I just find there to be not a lot to chew on. You know, it's sort of hard to just write, mm-hmm. goes over there and then somebody comes looking like really slow, but they look the wrong direction. So then you run over there. And trying to make that good for, oh, instead of just eight minutes at the end, why don't we do that the entire film? Seems like a pretty audacious uh, kind of setup. So again, just that the movie is good at all, let alone this good, is like pretty awesome. <laughs> this movie, Would You Rather, I keep forgetting is a bottle film. And now we've finally done it on the show. Here it is. Mm-hmm. It's always the surprise on my list of... Uh, of circle-inspired mm-hmm. bottle films. Mm-hmm. I think, all right, so what's Would You Rather? It is a, well, first of all, it's the last of the 2000s era of high contrast, you know, crush contrast, mean-spirited horror movies. So this is mm-hmm. quite something to watch today. But the the premise is a little Saw-esque. It's basically somebody needs... This group of people, everybody needs money for their own intensely personal backstory reason, most of which would you rather like doesn't give a fuck about and sort of throws out one line and then runs away from. Mm -hmm. And so they show up to this guy's house begging on his doorstep, essentially. He said, you have dinner with me, we'll play a game, the winner will get money. So it's a bunch of people who have entered a contest, not knowing what the contest is, to get money it turns out to be a murderous would you rather game and only one person can get the money and get out alive 
I mean, it doesn't have to be murderous. It's only murderous if you choose that it's murderous. If you would rather it was murderous. I feel like these movies, because they are nothing without the rules, we should at least like address maybe not what the actual rules are, but just the mechanic of like having rules in this. I just, I would rather just have a Bartleby, would you rather crossover movie? Uh, <laughs> would you rather and I'd prefer not to? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, man, watching, you want to talk about a Patreon show? Go back to when we watched Bartleby with Crispin Glover. That movie changed my life. Yeah. The sort of, uh, in like a weird <laughs> self-help way, right? Like the yeah. permission structure to be like, I'd prefer not to, to people's questions. No kidding has literally changed my life. Mm-hmm. Would you rather, I'd prefer not to. Uh, I don't know if I'd prefer not to works within these rules. Why? Well, I mean, nothing when, when you have a gun to your head. It's, there's When you have countdown clocks and, okay, you're right, there are a lot of rules. The rules are... Listen, the rules are simple. That's one of the rules. The rules are simple. Rule number one, the rules are simple. Rule number two, you simply have to make a choice between two different things, totally up to you, your choice to choose. You have a time limit. And if you don't make a decision, the ex-spy current butler will murder you. Oh, that's an interesting one line of backstory you have there. (laughs) Ex-spy current butler. (laughs) Um, okay, so you'll get shot. You play the game, well, or, you get, or you yeah, die. you get you, yeah, you play the game, or you die. Um, and, and then yeah, it's, you're right. You probably don't have to die, but I don't know if the game ever ends if people aren't play. I suppose. Yeah, if I mean, I think it goes on. Uh, the the there are there are moments, you know, not to poke. I'm not trying to poke holes, but assuming everybody had survived the water barrel scene, mm. is there still another? game that they would have inserted or do three people go to the final round of do you want to shoot one person or do you want all three people to get out right because in that scenario (laughs) in that scenario two people survive if you shoot the third person right yeah it is kind of funny thinking about like they have to run out of games at some point Mm -hmm. they have to run out of rounds they can't you know i want to see the movie where they've been playing this for like a week Right, And the guy is like, okay, in the next round, uh, just wait here a second. I'm like going through his basement <laughs> trying to find like, I got this old shoe. Could I like build a thing out of this? Would it's you rather like if you- smell the inside of this shoe or murder someone in this room? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so you know, the, the nature of these movies is they also build up the traps to be more and more murderous. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it'd be funny to see a movie where the traps get less and less murderous as they sort of like <laughs> run out of... The end would you rather's are literally like kiss this person or that person. You know, or murder like, somebody. Yeah, no, but like, it all, the alternative always has to, because the goal is that they eventually kill everyone. So one, it has to be, would you rather this person gets murdered or would you rather kiss a kiss a different, kiss, kiss a boy? Right. And then there's also some rules, some house rules that are sort of like, we don't touch the people which, you know, kind of goes sure. out, the, out the window. Right. Uh, if I banish you to your bedroom halfway through the movie, you do have to stay there and you can't show up like the final monster, you know, like those type of right, right. Those type of rules. It's hard to play the game without really knowing all the preset rules. So I feel like this is the trap we talked about in Ready or Not, which is like, you're looking, as an audience, I feel like you're looking for a way out of these. Mm-hmm. Right? Of course. So... By the time, in this movie, by the time you have the ice pick, I'm now wondering, 
could you just stab everyone to death and walk out? Like, is that an option mm-hmm. or is that breaking the rules in some, some respect? Well, that let's talk about that particular game though, because mm. that is one of that is one of you mentioned um, that this is this is a mean movie. This is a cruel movie. It's you know it's from like 2012 or something, but really it's from 2009. 2009. Yeah, what I mean. There was yep. ten years where like I don't know what was in the water, man. But movies were just <laughs> like so mean. Yeah, horror movies. Holy fuck! But that particular that particular round of this game is is really one of the moments where this movie to me I went oh fuck okay. And it's it's the second ra- it's the second um, the second one of that game, right? So the first round, they go, "Do you want to?" What was his name? Jeff. Call him Jeff. Do you want to whip Jeff with this stick three times, oh, yeah, yeah. or do I you want to stab Mister Combs? No. Do you want to whip Jeff, the military ex-military, mm. with a with a sorted pass and a and a tough disposition? Do you want to whip him with a stick three times, or stab the person to your right? Maybe let's put it, let me put it a little bit more vaguely. Jeff is to your left. Do you want to whip the guy to your left three times or stab the person to your right? And you go, that's easy. I'll just whip Jeff three times. Then it moves over to the right. And having played the game, having watched the movie up until this point, you seem to understand that there's sort of a round robin methodology to this. You electrocute one person, moves to the next person, they make a choice, et cetera, all around the table. So the so then the next person he goes okay so you know very simple rules do you want to stab the person to your right and everybody at the table in this moment is going this is going to be easy we're all just going to get whipped with a stick three times and then he goes or do you want to whip Jeff three more times and that moment is the moment where I go oh it's this kind of thing yeah well that's where you go oh it's a psychopath who can just make up the rules yeah. You never really know what questions you wanted to ask until it's too late to ask the questions. Exactly. That's the problem exactly. with these games. You wanted to know what's the time limit, how many of these there are. Right. Are you going to mix up that? Like, are we staying in an order? Are we going by whims? Will sure. you flip a coin at some point? Yeah. Do I get to keep the 10 grand if you let me go at the end? Right. Yeah. You don't know to ask those things. It's, it's very, it's, it's the little trials like that. Um, that the movie is is really unique for, I think. And then, of course, you have Sasha Gray's character, who is the ultimate wrench in every one of these movies. Because in every one of these movies, there are 99 people standing in a uh, proverbial circle, and they're all going, how do we save the most people in this scenario? And then one person in the circle goes, I just want all of you to die so I don't have to. Well, the sad reality is we've discovered that's like 40% of people in the fucking circle. Right. No, but I mean, we know that now. We need to but do in a, this a movie, circle movie in the post-Trump right. era, which is just in, like 42% of people in the circle will just kill in, you for no reason. Right. Well, in this movie, the, the, the random sampling, fortunately, took five people from Maricopa County and one from rural Nevada. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's all the gerrymandering and would you rather. That's what <laughs> right. really makes that's, the movie. That was the best decision. Crazy. And then I also love you. You sort of mentioned that this movie tends to opt um, opt for two dimensional characters, even across the board. Even our main character is like two and a quarter dimensions. Mm. But it it sort of seems to know that in these moments where um, the when they get to, I think it's the is it the water? It's the water barrel round. So mm. there's a round for anybody who hasn't watched the film. One of the rounds is, uh, all right, you got, you know, behind door number one is question mark. Behind door number two is you have to hold your breath for two minutes in this barrel of water. 
Yeah. And the first guy, you know, he from the, the whatever, the trailer park boy, he's like, all right, well, listen, you must have known that I have a long and sordid history of gambling. So let me just explain my backstory while I narrow down the, the chances of you putting something, but you would have expected me to be this smart. So what I, I actually am going to spin the drinks one more time. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> thank you. It's exactly and, the scene, right? And, Princess yeah. Bride. And so and so ultimately, you know, he he picks what's in the envelope. The movie knows you the movie knows the thing about this is the movie knows that the audience wants to know what's in every envelope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't just pick the water barrel. You have to check what's in the envelope. And the 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 wonderful bait and switch to this scene, and I don't even know if it stuck with you the way it stuck with me, but when he's laying it out in his regaled, ah, the next round is very, when you first mm. joined me, you opted for the unknown. And that is why you're here with me. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Let's kill somebody or don't. And, and he says inside these cards, it's all random. Nobody knows what's in them, but, uh, some of them, a minor trifle and others, instant death now just for anybody again who hasn't watched let me just tell you what the four cards are and you tell me which one's the minor trifle uh-huh. hold a stick of dynamite when it explodes mm. hold your breath for four minutes in a barrel of water uh have all of your teeth removed or unshin andalu your eye <laughs> nice uh, nice call on that really given this movie the top shelf treatment being like <laughs> that's the <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, and so, I mean, it's funny because like in my mind, he's like, some of these are a minor trifle. And I'm like, oh, it's going to be like, oh, you got to paper cut yourself with the envelope. I guess that has to be pull your teeth, right? Because right? it's the only thing that doesn't like <laughs> necessarily kill you. I don't know. The high concept has to overcome the rest of the writing. That's also the the task at hand, I think, when you make a movie like this. And you're in a psychological experiment. So the thin backstory thing doesn't bother me at all. I mean, that's the Mm-mm. that's kind of the part about this movie I like is whether it's aware of it or not, it does some pretty funny things, like just dismiss parts of the movie that aren't very exciting, you know, and, mm-hmm. and then sort of throw timers at parts of the movie that could use right. a timer. Right. And so the um the the dialogue isn't really the point. The main event is the complications and the choices. Mm-hmm. Both, what is he going to put them through, but also like, what are the little twists and turns of each choice? What's going to be in an envelope? How is how does this kind of like fuck people in a unique way they didn't think about? We get into this right from the beginning because he's talking about this uh, vegetarianism bit and the alcoholism, and um, it's just sort of like it's I don't know. He's fascinated by will the people do it or not? That's his sort of mythos. Mm-hmm. But what fascinates me is like the price that Jeffrey Combs' character puts on specific things. Mm-hmm. Like I really like seeing what the fuck is this guy's deal? Like why why is he doing this? And yeah. where is the weird pleasure that he gets out of this? Mm-hmm. And the scene where it's a barrel, it's still a barrel, but for four minutes, yeah, it's just like <laughs> it's literally like the funniest fucking thing today. And it's just such an example, too, of this era of film, which was, it's the same as the ending of the movie. The ending mm-hmm. is also very much like yep. what was going on at the time, which is just so bleak, so mean. And 
you know, we've talked about sort of the zeitgeist on other shows and like post 9-11 filmmaking and people wanting to, I don't know, like there was a lot of talk of torture in the air and there was also a lot of torture in films. Mm -hmm. And out of that, we get these weird, often pop psychological Sure. You know what I mean? Like they're sort mm-hmm. of psychological experiments, but like in, in that, it's like everything is like the trolley experiment, but mm-hmm. really depraved for some reason. Well, and I really love that it's based on the would you rather game, which is the ultimate sort of like slumber party, like un, uncomfortable thought experiment game. Oh, yeah. Except in this, it, it, this is, I mean, this is just some like playground shit where he's like, I'll give you $10,000, eat that foie gras. <laughs> Yeah, well, the fact that Would You Rather exists as a game also tells us it's not just of that era, but it's kind of like as old as time, right? People right. have been asking each other what sort of <laughs> gross stuff right. they'd rather do for the longest time. Right. This is also very much an acting thing where it's... You you mentioned Sasha Gray, who's probably the most interesting casting in this to me mm-hmm. because she started an adult film. And I think that, you know, adult film gives you the opportunity to challenge your limits for money. So there's a direct connection to the very thing that's making people kind of interested in this premise, but also even just acting, man. Like, I think this is true of acting in general. There are some actors who just chase roles that kind of move them outside their comfort zone. And so this idea of being put in a really tough decision I also think there's something to that. It's not just about a gross out or like how choosing between two awful things or like the darker parts of human nature, but there is also in that choice the sort of like, well, I've got to do one of these. Mm-hmm. You know, the false choice of like, I can't opt out of the game. I must now push myself to kind of like overcome whatever prevents me from doing one thing or another. It's almost like a, it's a bit of an exhibitionism sort of part of the mm-hmm. fucking human psyche or whatever. This is Sorry, this got really highbrow really fast. I don't know what the fuck happened. Would you rather, fun midnight movie. Okay, <laughs> let's get the fuck out of here. Would you rather go to our website, uh, which is doublefeature.fm, or uh, go to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash doublefeature. You can go to our website for free, or you can go to our Patreon for $10,000. Those are your choices. I don't, you don't you. have to pay $10,000, but <laughs> boy, are there a lot of things we want to do that we put on this list of stuff we'll do if we ever get enough money to even pay for the fucking show itself. <laughs> but a huge thank you to people who have been able to put in for that. And uh, if you want to check out the back catalog, especially, it's a really good time to go on there, join up. You can also pick movies for this year. Or you could be an executive producer, which is Charles Crawford, Ben Ecker, Brad Parker, and Joachim Vernon. Thanks for putting up with my weird transition into trying to drop in the executive producers each and every episode of the show, patreon.com forward slash double feature. Okay, next week on the show, I'm, we're actually, I'm going in totally blind on this. I don't want you to tell me anything about these. I know nothing. I'm excited to learn. We're going to do Chunking Express and Fallen Angels. Watch more fucking film. Bye.